Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Over the years, we've covered, I would say, you know, a, a number of basic legal issues here on Chicago's Legal Latte. Uh, but from time to time, there are changes to laws that require that we go back and revisit those topics to get uh, to get updates. And today is one of those instances. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Jim Mitchell, of course, and I'm pleased that you've chosen to join us for today's conversation as we will be informed on some changes that could potentially impact the manner in which uh, child support figures are calculated here in Illinois. Uh, and, of course, knowing full well that it's not within my purview to provide detailed legal information like that, I turn to my guest for today from Lavelle Law, family attorney Michael Roth. Uh, he's going to share the information with us and always provides great updates when he's here. Good afternoon, Michael. How are you today? Oh, Jim, doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, great great uh, topic here. We always talk about family law and get into uh, a lot of the different uh, aspects of it, and it looks like there's some changes coming. So, as we get into this, are, are we talking about a, a new law that's being implemented, or is this something that's just a proposal at this point? Uh, no, a new law that's being implemented. It was passed by uh, Governor Rauner uh, back in 2016 in the Illinois legislature. Um, you know, and, and really the, the, the impetus for this is um, – uh, and the public policy it's rooted in in terms of uh, modifying child support is based on fairness. Uh, and most importantly, what's in the best interest of the child? You know, we, we, this law is going to, and it goes into effect July 1st, 2017, if I didn't state that earlier. Um, okay. And it, it, it's, it's real important to uh, our, our clients, folks we've represented in divorce proceedings that have children, not in the fact that they want to lower their support payments or they want to get away with anything or, 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 or not do what's in the best interest of their children. Um, but, but in fact, uh, most states have implemented this law and, and recognize it. And we'll go into it a little bit later in the, in the discussion, but the uh, income shares model. And again, most states have implemented that. And basically, it's, it, it's based on the best interest of the child. And we'll go into those factors. Yeah. And it's based on um, uh, um, uh, fairness in what the child would be, uh, uh, what they were used to, um, or what type of support they would have had had the family unit stayed together. Okay. Well, let's let's do this because one of the things I always like to do, is, as you know from being here in the past, is before we talk about something new, let's let's talk about something old. Let's give me the baseline. I mean, what what were we accustomed to here in Illinois in regard to this type of uh, calculation? Of course. You know, in any proceeding uh, for dissolution of marriage or divorce, a legal separation, um, the, the duty of support owed to a child um, by the parents is an obligation to provide for the, child, for the reasonable and necessary educational, physical, mental, and emotional health needs of the child. Um, and let's define in Illinois what a child is. Most of us know this, mm-hmm. um, but uh, a, a, an individual 18 or under or any child that has not graduated from high school that happens to be 19. And in a couple other terms you might see um, uh, in this world is uh, uh, the supporting parent or the obligor versus the obligee. Um, so um, typically um, there's a residential parent 
uh, formerly known as a custodial parent. We don't use that term anymore in the family law sector. Um, the residential parent is the individual that the, the child stays with the majority of the time. And typically the, uh, uh, the non-residential parent is responsible as the obligor to pay child support in support of the child. Um, and again, utilizing, so if we could kind of walk through um, uh, how the court has determined that by statute and, and what the current law is prior to mm-hmm. July 1st, 2017, is it's based on the number of children and the, it dictates um, the amount of support in terms of net income. So, for example, if you have one child, 20% of the non-residential parent income will go to the residential parent to support that child. With two children, it's 28%, three children, 32%, to the net income, four children, 40%, and then it goes all the way up, you know, five, 45%, six or more to 50%. Okay. And just, I know we could probably get down a whole different path here, but when you talk about the mm-hmm. um, non-residential uh, parents' income, is that gross income or is it adjusted? Do they take it off the tax return? How does that figure without going, again, too much it's detail actually, here? It, it's net income from all sources, Jim. So okay. It's, it's, okay. it's bonuses, it's salary, it's second job, so it's all sources. Okay. So then, under in, the current in, 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 so the current guideline says number of children, this uh, this amount of net income, we do a we do a percentage of that amount based on the number of children, and that that's sort of the world we've lived in up to this point. That's correct. And, and again, those those are uh, the guidelines are applied to each case unless. The court finds um, that a deviation from those guidelines is appropriate after considering the best interest of the child, and that's what we're going to go into um, with the uh, 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 the share the income shared model. Yeah, so that's that's a new model. Let's talk about that. And you, you've used that term income shares model a couple of times. I assume that's central to what's new here. Ta- take us through the changes. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the the new law again, which was passed last year and goes into effect July first. Um, uh, replaces what we just discussed, and kind of the public policy behind the income shares model, and what it's rooted in is, um, you know, the child should receive the same amount of support as if the family unit was still together. You know, in other words, uh, uh, the same proportion of parental income as if the parents weren't divorced. Uh, you know, basically the primary distinction of this model um, is that it recognizes the fact that uh, as family income increases. Uh, the proportionate share of income spent on the child support typically decreases. So, for example, Jim, um, mom and dad get divorced, or excuse me, mom and dad are together. Um, mom gets a raise and a big promotion and is making significantly more income. Um, theoretically, dad will be able, you'll, you're going to be paying less in child care because dad may be able to take a little time, less time at work. Um, mm-hmm and spend it with the child. So the, that, that's one example of how this, this model, um, uh, uh, why it's been implemented. Um, the, uh, uh, the implementation of the model is also rooted in fairness uh, between the parties. Um, and the practical application of the model demonstrates that you know, both parents are supporting the child financially. So it's also an issue of optics. Um, mm-hmm. You know, shared. We go a little bit into uh, uh, you know shared parenting situations, um, which we talk about. And, and some of our clients out there may have heard the uh, uh, um, the number we throw around the 156 overnights per year. Um, it means that both parents have a child for at least 146 overnights per year. You know, in other words, the the amount of time each parent spends with the child is considered by the court 
when determining the amount of child support. However, it's important to note um, that the, child, the, the court will not consider time spent with the child unless that prerequisite or threshold has been met of 146 nights. So child's living with mom, dad's got the child for 145 nights. The court will not consider that as a factor. When, when applying the income shares model. Um, so it, a tip for our parents out there is to keep a log, keep a parenting log. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just grab a, grab a, uh, a notebook, um, Excel spreadsheet, whatever's easiest, and just keep a log, dates, times with the child that you spent. Um, this is really important. This can, this can be really helpful if we're contacted by folks who want to determine whether or not they're able to modify their, their level, their child support. So we do encourage folks um, past present clients, um, anybody out there that's paying child support to give us a call. Um, we'll have a, uh, an opportunity then to, to review your allocation judgment of parental responsibilities. And, and Jim, we can get a little bit about what those documents are um, yeah. that, that each parent will have or each party to a divorce would have as well, uh, if you wanted me to go into that. Um, well, yeah, there's, you know, there's quite, a, you have quite a bit here to cover. I'm scribbling some notes. There's some words you're throwing around. I want to reintroduce, it's just for listeners, Attorney Michael Roth of Lavelle Laws is the guest here today. We're discussing some changes uh, to be enacted soon here in Illinois in the way in which uh, child support is, is calculated. And uh, Michael's part of a very, very busy family law group at Lavelle Law. Uh, you can read more about the work that they do uh, by visiting lavellelaw.com. Uh, you're going to get lots of information on divorce, custody, premarital agreements, orders of protection, uh, so many different topics through articles, podcasts, videos that they've got stored there for you. It's a great resource. And one of the resources, one of the things we need to kind of work through here, Michael, are some of these terms that you're uh, discussing because, as you said, some of them change over time. And you mentioned just one now, allocation judgment of, of parental responsibilities. That, that's a mouthful. What, what are we talking about there? <laughs> Absolutely. So when... Uh, a party that, that, that goes through a divorce proceeding at their prove-up hearing, which is actually the divorce hearing, uh, both parties are present, and there's a uh, proposed judgment for dissolution. So that's actually the petition that's saying, hey, judge, here are all the factors. We'd love for you to grant our divorce. And then incorporated into those during the actual divorce proceeding, uh, it's a magic words that the judge says, uh, the marital settlement agreement, deals with the financial issues related to the parties. So division mm-hmm. of assets, marital debts, those things. But the allocation judgment, the parental responsibilities, deals with the children, parenting plan, what holidays mom gets, what holidays dad gets, um, you know, who, who's going to have uh, uh, little Billy, little Johnny on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday nights, who's going to have him for the alternating weekend. So it really prescribes the plan for the child and the parent going forward. And in order to modify that after it's been entered, the law is you have to show a substantial change in circumstances. So to modify any type of post, uh, any kind of divorce decree from uh, whether it's a marital settlement agreement or the, as we're dealing with here, uh, as we're discussing today, is the parental responsibilities. There has to be a demonstration of a substantial change in circumstances. So those are things from, um, so you have one child, you're obligated to pay 20% of your net income um, to the residential parent, let's say mom in this case, and you lose your job. Or mom gets a, a big raise or a promotion, or you become disabled, or uh, 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 perhaps you get remarried and have two additional kids. These are all factors that the court should consider um, when modifying or whether or not they're going mm-hmm. to modify a, uh, um, a, an obligation for child support. 
Yeah, and there's there's we're we're never going to have enough time to cover all this. This is a great topic, but I want to squeeze a few more things in here with you. I can first of all to make sure I'm I'm clear on it. You're talking about residential and non-residential parents and the amount of time that they then get. Does this new law impact how any of that that definition exists in terms of who the residential or non-residential parent is, or is it merely a, as you said, a sort of a fairness allocation of time and, and finances? Um, you know, it, it won't impact that. Uh, other other than actually petitioning the court not only to modify your support payments, but also the time you want to spend with Billy or Johnny. Um, you know, it, it's interesting you bring that up, but we've got a, um, um, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, of time with the child, and uh, uh, if you want more time, um, yes, that is something um, you'd actually have to petition the court for. Um, now they don't call it; it, it, they used to another another change in just uh, just uh, vernacular. Um, is uh, we used to refer to it as custodial parent. We now refer mm-hmm. to it as residential parent. Um, so things like that, you'll see some nuances in the law, not just in the actual law that's, that's being implemented, like uh, the, the income shares model that we've been discussing, but also the terminology that they use. Um, and I, I think a lot of it is rooted in um, um, sensitivity towards the, the family unit, which is it's, it's really important. Um, we don't want to have any of our kids, so we don't, we don't want to have that stigma attached, if you will. Yeah. So let me do this as we wrap up here, because um, we are getting near the end. And I, I, I've heard you use the word modify a number of times. So I, uh, I understand that this new law doesn't just say, okay, from this date forward, things are impacted. But you're making it very clear and explain to me quickly how how you and your colleagues can help someone with an existing agreement to go back and p- potentially now make changes. Absolutely. Don't hesitate, and um, if you're a current past client um, or you're interested in the topic because you have children, you're going through this, don't hesitate to give us a, a call. Um, it's a free consult, one-hour free consultation. Uh, myself or one of our, my colleagues in our family law practice group will, will meet with you. We'll review all your, your divorce documents from the judgment to the uh, marital settlement agreement, uh, past financial affidavits supplied by the parties, and we'll do a full review of the uh, parenting agreement to determine whether or not, hey, this is even worthwhile. So it's definitely risk-free. You come on in. We'll meet with you for an hour for free. We'll go through your docs, and we'll give you an assessment of whether or not we think it's worth going forward to try to modify your support payments. And again, we know that mom and dad wanting to modify are concerned about the best interest of the child. It's not a money-saving thing. It's the court is looking at new factors. You might as well come in and, and get an assessment done and see whether or not it's, uh, it's worth moving forward to petition the court. All right. Well, before we let Michael Roth go, let's uh, remind you, 847-705-7555 is the number to reach him, uh, or lavellelaw.com. Appreciate his time. and certainly uh, look forward to having him back again soon, and thank you for listening. We look forward to talking to you on a future upcoming episode.